everyone, it's Lacey Skulls from VH1's Rock of Love. And this is Talk of Love, the new podcast. This isn't just reality, this is real life. Hey everyone, it's Lacey motherfucking Skulls. And this is Talk of Love, episode 65. I want to start out by saying that June is Pride Month, so I definitely want to give a big, huge shout out, and I want to wish a happy Pride Month to everybody who is a part of the LGBTQ community, including the allies. Happy Pride Month, everybody. And I also want to talk about last week, we had the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre and I think that's something that's really important to speak on because I will say this much I grew up in Dallas Texas and only up until a few years ago I had never even heard of the Tulsa massacre and I literally grew up about five hours from Tulsa and for whatever reason although we can probably guess why when I was in public school it just was not taught to us we weren't taught about the Tulsa massacre and I think it's really disgusting and it shows where we are in society when in society when we are suppressing things like that that are incredibly important um, and it shows that we have a lot of room to grow so in case anybody doesn't know about the Tulsa massacre I just want to touch on it for a moment so this happened in, in 1921 and basically there was uh, a very affluent African-American community in Tulsa. It was known as the Greenwood District. It was also referred to as Black Wall Street. And basically, it was about 35 blocks of Black-owned businesses. It was a business district that was also surrounded by resi- residential areas. And it was a, a very well-to-do incredible area where black people were thriving they were doing very well they had all these amazing wonderful businesses they were successful they had families it was incredible what they built and what they created that was the greenwood district and 1921 there was an angry mob of white people and there was a court case that had taken place and as a result of this court case the mob of white people went to the area of Greenwood District, Black Wall Street, and they indiscriminately started murdering, burning down buildings, looting, destroying this area that black people had worked so hard and had created to be such a successful, thriving community. And they completely destroyed that. They burned down 35 blocks of people's businesses, people's homes, people's livelihood, and they murdered people. And these are people that had nothing to do with this court case. These were totally innocent people. And depending on what source you go to, it is estimated that between 100 and 300 people and possibly even more were brutally murdered. As a result of this, About 10,000 people, black people, were left homeless. The property damage amounted to more than $1.5 million in real estate and $750,000 in personal property, which that was for back then. If it was under today's standards, that would be the equivalent of $32.65 million in 2020 of damage that was done to this community. It was absolutely decimated and people were killed, innocent people, children. It was disgusting, deplorable, and sad. Sadly, this isn't the only time that things like this have have happened in the United States. So given the fact that we are on the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre, it is something we really need to talk about. We need to recognize 
people's pain and and the paths that we have all been down. We need to recognize and talk about the sins of our own country, our own communities, and our own society. Because if we just go like, oh, that didn't happen, or I want to scrub that from the history books or whatever, how are we ever supposed to advance as a civilized society? You know, there are so many different groups of people who live in this country. You know, there's black people, white people, Asian people, Hispanic people, men, women, gay, straight, trans. There's so many great different groups here, but that is what makes this country so great. We are a melting pot and we have so many different amazing, beautiful cultures of which we can all benefit each other and we can all learn from each other and grow. But the only way that we are going to successfully come together and get rid of all of the prejudices and all of the bigotry that still very much exists today, the only way that we can even start to heal from that and and get past that is if we acknowledge the crimes and the horrors that were inflicted upon innocent people that were part of marginalized groups. And, you know, that that also is a lot of what June Pride Month is about as well. Same thing with the LGBTQ community. So it's really important that we acknowledge this stuff. It's, it, it's important that we know these crimes happened. People were murdered. They were brutalized. Their homes, their businesses destroyed. And it's still happening. And we need to talk about that because if we don't, we'll never be able to go past it. And this kind of blatant, horrific racism will continue. So anyway, I, I just, I'm shocked I didn't know about this until a few years ago, but you know what? You're never too old and it's never too late to learn. So I think it's something that we need to all educate ourselves and uh, work together to make things better. You know, we can always, we can always grow. We can always do better. So anyway, um, with that said, I'm going to shift gears now a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about for just a minute or two, and then I'm going to get to the guest. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my man, Nick Ryan. Nick Ryan is a really incredible musician and he is sponsoring this episode of the Talk of Love podcast. He will also be sponsoring the next four episodes, all the episodes in June, he will be sponsoring. So thank you so much, Nick. Um, Nick is an incredible musician, incredible performer. And I would say that his music is described as pop rock. His influences range from Sheryl Crow, Alanis Morissette, Garbage, Liz Fair, Tori Amos, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Lenny Kravitz, Matchbox 20, and more. He's definitely all about the 90s. And uh, he actually just released a new single called Welcome to My Nightmare on May 21st. And he also just released a music video to accompany that. He will be releasing a covers EP later on this summer, including covers by Seal, Mariah Carey, Amy Grant, and Michael Jackson. So definitely be sure to check that out. Nick Ryan, and I will be putting all of his information in the description below. You can see where to find him on Instagram, on YouTube. Basically, if you just search Nick Ryan official, you will find him. He also has a Patreon. But as I said, I will put all that information for you to check him out in the description box below this this video. So definitely check that out. He's really incredible. So um, with that said, I am really excited about my next guest. I am really good friends with this girl. She used to be my roommate. She's awesome. You know her as Lil Hood from For the Love of Ray J and I Love Money season three. Please welcome Chelsea. Hey, Chelsea. So nice to Hi. see you. How are you? Hi, gorgeous. How are you? I'm fabulous now. So I want to start out by telling everybody that you and I are probably the closest as far as like 
all the castmates go. I would say you and Farah are the closest to me, but yeah. you and I were actually roommates, so we know each other really, really well. So this is like really fun. I'm so happy you're here. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm so happy that I finally got a moment from my mommy life to be able to take a second and finally come join you on here. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get started, I have to let you know, even though it's been a while, I would still punch a bitch in the titty or a dude in the ding dong for you any day of the week. Just wanted to let you know. Just wanted to let you know. <laughs> I remember that. That was one of like our inside jokes of how we profess our loyalty oh, yeah. and our love for one another. I'm like, I will punch a bitch in the tip for you. That's how much I love you. Oh, yeah. Or a dude in the ding dong. <laughs> or a dude in the ding dong. <laughs> like, that's how we oh, are. Ride or die. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love so, the red hair on you, by the way. Thank you. Now I'm going to say something and don't take it wrong, but I totally think of you a lot when I get in the shower. Yes, <laughs> nice. <it comes> <laughs> it's because every time I get in my shower, it looks like a crime scene happened in there. And I remember <laughs> when we lived together, you'd always be walking upstairs with all the cleaning products. And I'd be like, what are you doing? And you'd be like, I'm going to go clean my shower. I just dyed my hair. It looks like a crime scene in there. So anytime I dye my hair and I get in the shower afterwards, I always think of you because now I understand the struggle of red hair and your showers. Oh God, it's bad. <laughs> well, what's really funny is you and I were on I Love Money 3 together, which we'll get into. But I remember the, the girls that were in my room with me when I started showering and dyeing my hair and stuff like that, which as you know now, red is so hard to keep up with. You have to dye it all the time. Um, and so the girls would like, I would turn like the bottom of the shower pink and the girls would be like, so are my my feet going to get pink or red if I, if I shower after you? And I'm like, well, unless you're going to be in the shower with me, I mean, my feet would be pink before your feet would be pink and they're like oh yeah I guess that's right and trust me <laughs> if somebody was in the shower with you they would have gotten it on camera they <laughs> certainly would have well let's get into into the shows you know it's really funny because you and I live together but for some reason I never asked you this stuff I guess it's just because I think we're all realityed out I think there's things we talked about like here and there in passing on like drunken nights but it's not something that we probably remembered much of the next morning <laughs> right and I think you and I were like traumatized by the whole I love money three thing which I'll get into. But first, I want to know, how did you get into reality television? Okay, so I have been, um, I've done modeling and acting since I was like six years old, mainly modeling and a lot of promotional work too. So I've had managers and I actually got a call from my manager saying, hey, there's this show. Do you want to maybe do it? And she just mentioned Ray J. And obviously I was a fan of the Brandy show when I was younger. So I knew who he was and I loved his music. So I was like, sure, I'll go ahead and do the Ray J show. But to be a thousand percent honest with you, I had never seen any of the shows before I went on the Ray J show. You got thrown into the deep end. Yeah. I did. <laughs> yes. Oh, I mean, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, I watched Flavor of Love like a couple of episodes when I was in the hotel waiting to go on the show. Oh, and I was just like, <laughs> Oh, for the love of Ray J, what did I get myself into? <laughs> like, seriously. Um, but luckily, like, you know, I met a lot of really cool girls on the show and everything. It was definitely an experience. That's that's for sure. But I can definitely say, did not know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> yeah. At what point when you were in the show, did you go like, holy shit, I'm a little bit in over my head or this isn't what I was expecting? When I kind of figured out what was going on, it actually is one of the most memorable moments that everybody knows me of. And I know everybody's waiting to hear about this one. It's the rap. 
<laughs> so I did not plan on doing that. I was told to do the rap. I went in there with the plan of doing a cute little poem that I had made up from a song that Ray J had done with, um, I think the guy's name was Bobby Brackens or something. But I had taken some of the lyrics from that song and I had turned it into a poem. And I was going to recite the poem, but apparently that guy, Bobby, had to sign off on me using those lyrics on national television. Oh. And he didn't sign off on it. And so they had said that that was one of the reasons I couldn't do it. And then also someone else, and I think it was Danger, was doing a poem. So they said I couldn't do it. And they told me to do the rap. They also told me that it wasn't going to be aired on national television and that it was just going to be a little spoof for the trailer. Oh, no. So once I did the rap, I actually started hysterically crying afterwards. And you even see in the show me being like, they didn't get what I was doing. That's because I then realized, well, everybody else is actually doing super cute stuff. And I somehow was roped into doing something that I had never done before and I clearly wasn't good at. Um, it was my first time on a reality show. I didn't realize that you could say no. Right. I didn't yes. realize you could say no, but yep. I damn sure. I used my opportunities to say no when I didn't feel comfortable with stuff on I Love Money 3. And they had tried to get me to rap for a second time on I uh, Love Money 3. And I was like, I didn't even nope. know that. What did they say mm -hmm. to you on I Love Money they 3 to like, try to get you? It was the night that um, I was up for elimination. And they were like, can you just do a rap? Just do a rap. We don't even want to hear what you have to say to cocktail. Just rap it. And I was like, what do you even want me to say? And I was like, I'm not going to rap. I'm not a rapper. I was like, I'm horrible at that. We saw how that went last time. And they were like, okay, okay. And they're like, well, if you were going to rap, what would you say? And I'm just like, I don't know. Cocktail, don't send me home. And I was like, that's about that. So they didn't exactly get away with it on I Love Money 3. But yeah, I when they told me to do it on the first one, I, I didn't feel comfortable enough to say no. I was just like, okay. So yeah, I mean, it is that, what it is. you live and you learn, <laughs> right? Well, okay. I have to interject because there was a time when you and I were living together and I think I was driving and it was you, me and Joe from Megan Wants a Millionaire and I Love Money 3 and some Nicki Minaj song came oh. on and you guys went off <laughs> and I was like, damn, these two, That's it was different. amazing. It was amazing. That you guys. I wish I, I wish I remember what song that was. It was the Keys to the Benz song. Remember? Oh. Keys to the Benz? Keys to, wasn't that Nicki Minaj? I probably was, but honestly, you know, Mommy Mush Brain. You guys knew every... I remember my name some days. You guys <laughs> knew every word and you guys like nailed it. That was a little different. That was hilarious. We spent a lot of time in the car back then and we had like CDs we would listen to over and over and over again. And they were known as Joe and Little Hood songs. And those were our songs <laughs> that we cruised around Hollywood listening to. So yeah, you let me listen to something enough. Just like that Baby Shark song, you're so lucky you're not a mom because you don't just Google it. That's all I'm gonna say, Google Baby Shark. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so what point did you start to develop a tougher exterior to handle being on Ray J? Middle to the end. 
um, kind of when I started getting to the point where I was a little frustrated because you know, as well as I do being on these shows, these PAs, they pop out literally, they, I dream of genie out of freaking nowhere. Like they pop <laughs> out of the woodwork and they tell you exactly what to do, exactly what to say. When you say PAs, just to clarify the producers. Producers. Yeah. Sorry guys. <laughs> um, they literally, they pop out of the woodworks and they tell you what to do. They tell you what to say. They kind of puppet master you in a sense. Um, and when I got to a point where I was just over it is kind of when things got started getting a little sticky with me and the producers because I started pushing back a lot more. And that was actually at the very, very end, which everybody knows about, is when I eliminated myself from the show, <laughs> which from what I've been told is I was the first person ever to eliminate myself from a reality television show. Yeah, I was actually surprised they let you do it so easily and not even having gone to the elimination because I will tell you this on Rock of Love, which filmed two years before Ray J, girls were wanting to quit and, you know, like namely Sam and Brandy M and they've both been on the podcast and they basically said like the producers didn't want them to quit, tried to talk them out of it, told them at least go to the elimination. I mean, they really made them stick it out. They did everything they possibly could to try and get me to stay and to do certain things. And I, I ultimately did have to do certain things. Like I wasn't planning on going and confronting the girls and this wasn't actually shown on the show. Okay. So they were going to bring in from what I was told, I, all the girls were saying this was going to happen. So I figured it was going to happen. I didn't hear straight from like the producers or anybody that it was actually going to happen, but it was told that they were getting ready to bring in a whole new crew of girls and try and shake things up. And we were all like, screw that. We have already been through so much. We boxed each other. We have all gone through just all these crazy challenges for this guy's affection. And you're going to bring in a whole new crew of girls. They told you they were going to do that. I didn't hear it directly from the producers. All the girls were talking about it. So I don't know exactly where it came from, but all the girls were like, screw this. We're leaving the show. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. They're bringing in girls. They're bringing in girls right now. And the girls I think were saying they were going to leave the show if that happened. Yeah, yeah wow. we were lining up for we were lining up for an elimination and we were standing in the hallway for a really long time. And it was like longer than usual. So something weird was happening. And the girls were talking about, they're like, it's really happening. They're really going to bring on new girls. And the, the, like, we're all lined up. We're like in a single file line and everybody's like, fuck that. No, I'm not going to do it. Fuck that. And I'm just kind of like, what's going on? What's going on? And then finally somebody told me, I can't even remember who it was. They were like, they're bringing new girls on. That's why we're waiting here because they're all getting out of the car and coming into the house right now. And I can't remember who it was. Somebody finally said to the producers, you bring new girls in. We are all leaving right now. And we all said, yeah, we're going to leave. We're not, we're not dealing with it. Wow. That's kind of impressive. <laughs> And I'm surprised like they didn't bring in any girls, but I also didn't hear it straight from producers saying, okay, we're not going to bring them in or, oh yes, that's exactly what we're doing. It was kind of like a game of telephone, I guess you could say, or a he said, she said kind of thing. Um, but everyone was saying, and it was like a clear consensus. We were all going to go home if they did bring new girls on the show because we had already been through so much at that point. So when you saw me go into the room at the very end of the show when I'm in the towel and I'm just like, screw this, I'm going home. I was not planning on doing that. The producers had told me I had to do that. And the funny thing is, is Cocktail was my roommate and I was in the shower, which is why I was in the towel. I was in the shower and which I know producers were definitely behind this because out of the entire time of Cocktail and I roommating together or rooming together to say it 
correctly, she never once came into the bathroom when I was in there. And I was literally sitting on the floor shaving my legs and she comes in and like pops her head over the shower. She's like, where are you at? I'm like, I'm shaving. <laughs> and then she was like, you really need to go and talk to Ray right now and tell him what happened with all the girls. And so it was almost like it was already set up that Ray was going to cover his ass and nobody was going to say anything about it. So I got sent into this room. Cocktail was like, you need to go talk right now. You need the, everybody's saying you need to go talk to him right now and tell him what happened. They're trying to throw you under the bus. They were trying to get you to admit. Yeah, that was their way to get me out of the house because I wasn't willing to go. I wasn't even willing to go to elimination. I just wanted out of there right then. I was so over the games. I wasn't over the girls. I loved all the girls. I was just over the mind games. It was a lot, especially for your first time. And you're so exhausted. They give you ample amounts of alcohol, which at that point in time, I was young. You know what I mean? Like I, I really also didn't know how to not handle my liquor, but it was more so handle the fact of lack of sleeping, lack of food and alcohol mixed in with a crazy environment where you don't get to talk on a phone. You don't get to listen to radios. Well, unless it's Ray J songs, you don't even get to read your Bible. They took away my daily devotional from me. And that wasn't them being assholes or anything. That was them just genuinely wanting everybody to uh, interact with each other. Because even though the PAs, as you know, are sitting there telling you puppet mastering and basically essentially creating the show that you're watching, you're still filming 24 hours a day. And they catch every little thing in between them puppet mastering you, <clears throat> excuse me, and you end up even seeing random footage of like yourself sleeping and stuff. That was the first time I've ever seen myself sleeping, which is very weird, by the way. So that shows you how much they do record. It's literally from the second the sun comes up until after the sun goes down, the second the, like, the last person gets in bed, that's when the last camera guy goes away. I always wondered, like, when do you guys sleep? Sometimes the producer who I would see, like, right before I went to sleep mm -hmm. would be the same one coming in to wake us up. And I'm like, when did you sleep? And when did that happen? Or the person who took your mic off the night before you went to sleep would be the same person wide awake, like, all right, you ready to be mic'd up? Are you up for the day? I'm like, I'm just going to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so when you first joined the show and, you know, you're get, kind of getting into the swing of things, did you get to a point where you thought like, okay, well, maybe you know, maybe I am here for love or maybe I could fall in love with this guy because Ray J, he's a nice looking guy. He's very charismatic, very charming. He's got an awesome sister. Like I would totally understand somebody going like, okay, you know, I, I could see myself with this guy. Did you think that was something that could happen? Were you open to it? Yeah, totally. Honestly, I made it, this may sound kind of stupid, but I may have just been one of the naive girls who, because I didn't really know what I was getting into, I'd never really seen the shows before. I thought that maybe at the beginning, obviously, that maybe there was a possibility that that's what this show was really about. But, um, and I mean, don't get me wrong, maybe he was there to find love, but it just felt more so like a manufactured show than someone really looking for love. Because with the amount of involvement from the producers and what they tell you to do and say and everything. It just really day by day from the second you get up until the second you go to sleep, sometimes you would even redo stuff. 
Like they would be like, oh, you know, girls go back to the end of the hallway, redo that. And oh, we liked how you, we liked how you said that. Go ahead and say that again. Or they make our cars, you know, drive up and then pull away and then drive up again. So it really was very manufactured. And I started kind of seeing like, okay, this is more so just a production. This is not like a, oh, this person is really looking for love. Because if he was, then when the cameras were off, he would have been spending individual time with people. It was more so all about the cameras and what we were doing for the show that day and stuff. And like I said, nothing against Ray or anything at all, because him and I have totally made up since the Ray J days. Um, he may have been looking for love. The way you described that, you worded it really, really well. Did he sleep at the house with you guys? Because I know Brett would come and go, and a lot of times he didn't sleep there. Did Ray J sleep there? I am not a thousand percent positive because there were, after we got done with um, eliminations, a lot of the time we saw him leaving. We'd see him leaving out through the garage in his big fur coat and it was like his night-night outfit. Mm, (laughs) That was what, that's how you knew he was getting ready to leave was when he put on his fur coat and he would always have like his phone on him and all that stuff, kind of like he was grabbing his possessions. But if he came back at the end of the night, I don't know about that because he was always there bright and early in the morning. Um, There were some times that I did walk by and I did see his bed was a little messed up. So maybe he took a nap in it. Maybe he actually slept the night there. Honestly, us girls really didn't know because there were a lot of times where they'd be like, okay, time for bed girls. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So towards the end of the show where everything sort of started to fall apart, it looks like you were frustrated that he was like making out with all these different girls and you're going like, well, how am I supposed to have a connection with you if you're making out with everybody? Which actually Sam from Rock of Love pretty much said that exact same thing to Brett. She just said it like a bit more like tearfully and emotionally where you were like a little bit frustrated, you know, rightfully so. I was just so frustrated at that point because they were asking me to do some things that were like, different from what everybody else was doing. And it's like, why am I not getting more one-on-one time with him when you guys are literally making me jump through fiery hoops? I was just over it at that point. I was exhausted too. (laughs) It looks like you were frustrated with some of the girls that were really being um, more Overly sexual. Sexually more forward. Because that was what was being asked of me as well. And I- Wait, what do you mean was being asked of you? By the producers? Yeah. What did they say exactly? They just said to, there were a couple times where they were like, here is a tray, go ahead and take the champagne into Ray's room and maybe wear some lingerie while you're doing it. And I was like, I'll wear like some cute shorts and a tank top to do it. And they'd be like, okay, well, we'll get back to you in a second. Then they go have another girl do it. So it wasn't necessarily me saying no, it was me some more, because I didn't, you know, for show, didn't exactly feel comfortable saying no, but it was me so like trying to alter their idea of what they wanted me to do. That makes sense, yeah. When you guys were all at the club and you were like- Oh, the club night. Right. I was so pissed off because they made me box my friend. So when you see me joke around, for some people, for some reason, people took this literally, with me and Feisty, we were actually friends and we hung out a lot after the show. Oh, yeah? When I joked around and said, I'm going to punch homegirl in the little boob in the boobies or whatever it was, I said, that was such a joke. People took that literally like I really wanted to punch her. Well, they probably took it out of context. Yeah, because it really, it made me so mad that I had to fight. I had to get into a boxing ring, 
fight my friend. Like her and I were genuinely friends on the show and we were genuinely friends off the show. It made me so mad that they made me get into a boxing ring and fight my friend, but none of the other girls would go afterwards. Like it was, yeah. I, I don't crazy. understand. At least not even one other group of girls went. It was just me and her. And then when was crazy. I was like, finally, I'm going to get a little bit of one-on-one -on -one time, a little bit of relaxation time because I totally deserve it. I've done a crap ton of stuff up until now. And then everybody came on the date and I was like, that was the, everybody's going to remember this part, the squeaky wheel that gets the oil right. episode. <laughs> That's actually, it's a saying that my mom always used to say when I was younger, she'd be like, you're being a squeaky wheel. The squeaky wheel gets the oil. <laughs> well, apparently I was made to be the squeaky wheel on that episode. Cause I know you, I know this isn't normally how you are with guys. Oh. You were like, you know what? If all these other girls are going to be throwing themselves at him, then fuck it. I will too. But then the problem was that it looks like Ray J saw through that. Like, hey, this isn't who you actually are. So what is this? Here's what's funny about that. So, and it's kind of, we're jumping back and forth. So sorry to the viewers. This is what happens when friends talk. We try and stay on track, but it doesn't always work. <laughs> this so, is better than a lot of the interviews I've had. Trust me, we've <laughs> gone way off the rails and with other people. So okay, good, good. Okay, good. <laughs> So as we were talking about a little bit ago, I eliminated myself from the show. I had pissed off a lot of producers and I do have to say, I actually had to write an apology letter to Mark Cronin and Chris Abrego when I left the show because what? I had technically gone, yep, I had gone against the contract and they were pissed. Who they told were you, who told you to write an apology or did you just decide that was the right thing to do? Someone called my mother. Wait, so what, somebody called your mom? Like one of the producers? Someone called my mother. Someone from production. Someone called my mommy on me. Are you fucking kidding? I swear to God. Swear that to is bizarre. I don't know if they were trying to get in contact with me or something. Or I don't freaking know. But my mom's like, one of your producers just called me. She know I don't. She may have told me the name back then. I don't remember. But she's like, one of your producers just called me, and they are talking about suing you. She's like, Chelsea, wow. this is bullshit. She's like. You have got to fix this. They said that they would be okay with it if you apologized to them and promised that you would never do this again. And I didn't understand at the time why it was like such a necessity for me to like apologize and I like kind of make it right. But after they had called me and asked me to then do I Love Money 3 after I sent them my apology letter, it then made sense. Oh my God. Because then I had a long talking to from Chris Abrego and Mark Cronin once I flew into Mexico and they said, all right, before we officially let you get settled in the hotel, you have to make us a promise right here and right now. You're not going to eliminate yourself off of the show. And I was like, I promise. I promise I'm not going to. And they said, no, seriously, promise you're not eliminating yourself off the show. I said, I promise I'm not going to go home. Not going to eliminate myself this time. So it makes sense. Like it made sense in hindsight, but at that because they wanted to use they wanted to use me again. Yeah, I upset them, but also at the same time, one of our PAs, she was super nice, red hair, super nice. She had called me when they were editing the end of the show, and they said, "I look," because I was friends with her, and she was like, "So I'm in here, and they're editing right now," and she's like, "I'm just going to tell you right now, it's not going to be good." And she's like, "It's it's not going to be good." I'm surprised she told you that. Oh, yeah. She was like, she's like, it's not going to be good. And she's like, and I have to be honest with you, you're, and I'm sure, I'm sure there were others that came after me at that point in time, but they said that my exit was one of the hardest to edit ever. Oh, my God. And now I understand because they were chopping and screwing the hell out of it. That's why. That's why I get it now. What really happened on the exit that we didn't see? Because it looks so, like you were just frustrated. And then I it sounds like you were. 
information that I guess you weren't supposed to do. Like on reality shows, you're not supposed to say anything about when this comes out or when you see this on TV or in, oh. in, in May when this comes out. I was doing all the naughty no-no things. So was this all when you were outside no-no. outside of the house? This was when I was still in like everything literally from when I went into the room to talk to Ray J, got out of the shower, everything from the second I got out of the shower until my leaving scene, it was all chopped and screwed because there were parts that they had taken out, which is why it didn't make sense at all. Because Ray J was basically... We were talking about it. He was being so nice to me when I said to him, everybody's really upset. Like he seemed really receptive of me. And then we went into the bedroom and everything changed. So he was going in going like, why are you wanting to go home? Why are you saying that you're going home? I kept telling him over and over again, why? And that's why, because they kept, they cut it out of me saying, all the girls are saying they wanted to go home because the producers said they were going to bring in new girls. And they couldn't air that part on national television because that's me talking about them oh. doing stuff that they didn't want people to know that they were doing. So that was the primary thing. That was the whole thing. Was the fact that more girls were going to come in. Yes, Cocktail told me that I had to go talk to Ray J about that all the girls were pissed off that they were going to bring new girls into the house and that all the girls wanted to go home because of that. So what was Ray J saying about that? Like, what was his response to you? He was like, oh, I totally understand. He's like, I would want to go home too. But you know what? Let's go talk to the girls. Let's go. Come on, let's go talk to the girls together and we'll get to the bottom of this together. And so, and he kept saying to me, well, why do you want, like, so tell me, why do you want to go home? And he like kind of started over again. And I'm like, well, because, and I went back into it again saying, all the girls are saying that they want to go home. It's not just me. And everyone was just kind of sitting there like looking at me, like, what are you doing? And I'm just like, will anybody, I'm like, will somebody finally admit it? I'm like, somebody admit it. Somebody just admit that this was a conversation that we all had. It's not just me. I wasn't the only one who wanted to go home. And at that point in time, I was like, fuck yeah, I want to go home now. I'm over it. I'm like, I'm completely over it. So at that moment in time, when everyone was sitting there playing dumb, like they had no idea what the heck I was even talking about, including Ray, when he just got done saying to me, oh, I understand. I would be upset too. And I'm sitting there looking so confused and feeling so confused because everybody's playing dumb. And I'm like, did this like not really happen? Well, also they were, the girls were laughing quite a bit too. Yeah. And I thought that was a weird response to the situation. Because nobody was going to say anything about it. And I have no idea why they were laughing. Beats the freaking hell out of me. It was like an I, uncomfortable, like they were like, it was an uncomfortable situation. Maybe, see, I'm not in on that side of what they know. I don't know if maybe they knew Cocktail was getting ready to do this. I don't know if maybe... I have absolutely no idea, to be honest with you. Then from there, I went and I called the producers on what's called the bat phone. And I said, get me the hell out of here right now. I said, I'm, I'm over this. And I said, I, I'm not even waiting for you. And they kept saying, okay, just, okay, just wait a second. One of the producers is going to come meet you. And I said, nope, not even waiting for that. And I went and I was packing my suitcase by myself. And in hindsight, um, to be honest with you, in hindsight, when I see how cocktail did things as far as you know came in and talked to me yeah it looked really bad on her end um as far as she it looks like she totally manipulated me to go home and the fact that she helped me with my suitcase and stuff out and everything too she wasn't even in the room fully when I was packing she came in out of nowhere and and was like oh I'm just I'm gonna get that for you so I don't know how much of that was her and how much of that was the PAs because I know how much they were puppet mastering me so I don't know how much 
they had involvement in my exit. I don't know what they said to the other girls. I don't know if they knew I was coming in to talk to them about the situation with everyone wanting to leave. I honestly was just on my side. I was in the shower. <laughs> I was yeah. in the shower shaving my legs. And then all of a sudden things just started going out of control after there because I was told to go confront somebody on something that then everybody played dumb on. So one thing that a lot of people are like, yay, Lil Hood, she, she finally somebody told Ray J off. And basically you, when, when you and him were outside, right when you were about to leave, you were frustrated and you were venting to him, but you also said something along the lines of like, you're just a, a spoiled brat. Looking back in hindsight, do you, would you have done things differently? Would you have said things differently? I sure would have worded things differently. I was just so ridiculously frustrated at that time. And Ray knows that too, because we've even talked about it after the fact. We've seen each other several times actually after the show. He's actually even met my husband and my in-laws. Nice. Uh -huh. So we've, you know, I do wish I would have worded things differently. And I've even talked with Ray. I even apologized to Brandy afterwards. When we were at the reunion, I went up to Brandy. I was like, look, no disrespect to you and your family or your brother whatsoever at all. And I was like, I don't think he's spoiled. And then she actually stopped me and she grabs my hands and she goes, and you know, brotherly, sisterly kidding. She's like, oh, he is a spoiled little brat. And I was like, no, I was like, I just, I, 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 was like, I just, I was like, I needed you to know that she couldn't have been more sweet about it. And even Ray talking about it afterwards, he understood that I was frustrated. And we've even joked several times about what's really weird is that because of the fact that I left the show and I didn't upset a lot of people, they did give me a really bad edit, but the way that they did it was really weird because they would air things one way on national television but then they would take all of the parts as far as Ray and I actually having fun together and they'd put it online. They would show it the way that oh, it really weird. happened. Like us yeah. in the vineyard. Um, they made it look like I was forcing myself on him. But then they showed the whole footage of what really happened online. And it At the showed- club, you mean? You mean no, the nightclub? Um, we, did, we did a vineyard date. Oh, I and, did vineyard, okay. We did a vineyard date and uh, they made it look like um, I was kind of forcing myself on him. And I was trying to like, I don't know, they just basically made me look like a big old whole bag and I was not. <laughs> but it's weird because they showed it that way on the show, but then they showed it in its entirety of how it really happened unedited which showed how it like that him and I were actually just having fun and we were actually getting along really, really well. And they showed it in its entirety online, which makes no sense to me. They did that. They did that for a lot of things too, like um, even like the helicopter on the way to the vineyard. It showed me kind of being uh, promiscuous or being like just not myself. But then they showed the entire scene in its entirety online, and it was actually like a cute, sweet moment between me, Ray, and Kashmir. Kashmir was a little nervous. I was a little nervous. We were all joking. I was trying to comfort her. It wasn't like, it, and it was like joking around with uh, the guy in the helicopter did some crazy stuff too. And they even, they didn't even show that on the show, but they like chopped that up in a way too. It just. They like to keep it about the drama. It boggles my mind the way that things happen. And I understand now why, because I really upset some people. Are you talking about like the producers? Yeah, it, it just, it, and again, it was my first show and I really didn't know what the heck I was getting myself into, but definitely had more of an idea when I went on I Love Money 3. And that's why it really, 
it breaks my heart for so many different reasons why that show isn't going to be aired because not only was it just going to be one of the most epic freaking seasons of I Love Money ever. I mean, we were the all-star cast. That's what they deemed us was the all-star cast because we were the fan favorites from all of the shows. So not only does that upset me, but we all got to be completely authentic on that show. We got to be us. I totally agree with that. They would pop out here and there and they would try and sway some things, but you would have gotten to see you exactly how you are, me exactly how I am, Weasel, big because even on Weasel show, they made him look like a complete drunk, and don't get me wrong, Weasel can party, but he, it, you see a different side of everybody in I Love Money, and that's I what agree. kills me. I agree because with Because you would have gotten to see us be our authentic selves. I completely agree with you. Well, let's get into I Love Money. Let's. So what made you go, okay, I'm going to give this another try after you had such a negative experience with For the Love of Ray J. I would imagine they probably asked you to do I Love Money 3 probably just a few months after the fact. Is it that was right? A few months after, it was a few months after the fact and after my I'm sorry letter. <laughs> um, they called me and I asked them kind of like, I said, what is the basis of this show? And then I actually had started watching some of it um, online too. And I was like, well, this looks badass. I don't know if I could do any of the challenges and whatnot, but this looks badass and it looks completely different from the of love shows. Because at that point in time, I was a little bit more like in tune to like what was going on re- on reality TV. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and like, I kind of had watched more shows since my time as well. So I was a little bit more familiar with everybody else. And just the excitement of knowing that it was more of like a physical thing and it wasn't just like an of love thing. Like it was just different every single way. And I asked them too, straight up, I said, is this going to be like the Ray J show? And they had told me at that point in time, we are not allowed to script this show because it involves money and that is against oh, the law. Interesting. And that wasn't that wasn't my only time hearing that. I heard that on the show as well, too, that you're they weren't allowed to any show involving winning money at the end. It's like the producers, they can sway you, but ultimately they can't say, Oh, scripting full on. This person's That's getting a really good this point. Per- this is That's not a good fair. point. I do remember the producers having less direct involvement mm-hmm. on that show than oh, any of the well, others. They still like Tom of Genie in those in that show too and just yeah, you're totally out of nowhere, right. but yeah. not as much. Not yeah, as much. That's a really great point. So one of my frustrations that I had with both you and Sinister, and I said this to Sinister when he was on the podcast. Hey, I know what you can say. I really What is the thing you love about me the most? I'm just a love bug and I get I along know. with everybody, which went against me. Well, so that's, yeah, so that's what I was going to say. So with Sinister, I didn't know him, but I knew we had a million mutual friends in the music world. And so I really want to align with him. I didn't know you at all, but I just instantly liked your energy and your vibe. And so I was like, let's, let's do an alliance, you know, and both of you and Sinister. I already had a secret alliance and I couldn't tell you at the time. Say that again. I never had a secret alliance and I couldn't tell you at the time, even though I really wanted to. Let's talk about that because Sinister told me on the podcast, Sinister was like, look, Lacey, no offense, but like, I was kind of scared of you. I didn't want to align myself with you because I didn't know if you were going to like stab me in the back or whatever. And I'm like, that makes sense. So talk about your secret alliance and what your perspective of all of this was. So for a really, really long time, as I mentioned in the I Love Many 3 reveal video, I totally like rode under the radar. And it's not just because that was my plan. It was just because I genuinely got along with absolutely everybody. Um, so I kind of just rode that out for a long time until big rig and weasel, which, um, 
I was actually rooming with them. And that's why they came to me because they were like, look, we are going to have, they had an alliance with each other. Nobody knew about it because they fought a lot. Well, so everybody thought that was just to throw everyone off the trail. No, but we um, actually, brought- I knew that they were tight. I knew because I remember on our team, we were always trying to get Big Rig out because we saw them as like a power duo because of their friendship. In the beginning, they kind of like tried to play it off. Like I remember there was a couple of times they'd be like, look, we're going to get into a fight right now and we're going to make it seem like it's real. And the funny thing is they actually broke our closet door in the midst <laughs> of this fight because, and it got so brutal that it seemed real. So for a little while, they tried to play like they were enemies, but then they kind of just threw that out the window at some point in time. Um, But they never really let anybody know that I was the one because they would always go and have me go and sit and like eat breakfast with people or go and hang out with people and then just be like, oh, so what are they talking about? Anything interesting today? And if there was any interesting information, I'd go back to them with it and like we try and figure out how we could use it to our advantage. Well, who was the paymaster when, when you went home? Who was the paymaster? Cocktail. Oh, that's right. Okay, so one thing I I really want to know this personally, and I know a lot of the fans of the shows do as well. Were you there during that infamous Delicious and was it Cashmere? Yes. So I was there for the fight. It was a hard situation because I genuinely like Cashmere and I genuinely like Delicious. So I didn't want to see anything happen to either of them. I didn't want to see either of them go home. So for me, it was a situation of just trying to keep them apart. I, for the life of me, I don't know what their argument was about. I don't know what the fight was about. Did you see Delicious hit Kashmir? I did not see that. I heard that it had happened. Um, And that was when she had come back into the room. And I believe you were with me when this happened. She had come back into the room and she was freaking out. The producers had kind of calmed her down and got her back into the room. And I think it was me and you. And we thought she was calm. And then out of nowhere, do you remember when she tried to climb through the window? She tried to climb through the window of the bathroom and we pulled her back in. I swear, I'm pretty positive it was you who did it with me because she tried to climb through the little window in the bathroom to get back out to get to uh, Cashmere. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I don't really remember that, but I I, I think- I swear it was you. I could have sworn you were the one in the room with me when this happened. Well, It was either you or Bucky for sure. It might have been Bucky, but one thing that I think it the fight could have been about because I remember when Ryan was like dominating all of these challenges, and originally it was like me and Delicious and Bucky and I think a couple of others, and then like Cashmere Cocktail were like their own alliance, and they had we were, their own little alliance. We, it yeah. was very I remember it was very clicky, and yeah. at some point I had the realization of like. Ryan's going to win the whole damn show. And I, I predicted it because he's super strong. He was very smart. Yeah. He, he was, was very pretty good at the challenge. He, was he very, definitely was. Right, very calculating. Mm-hmm. And so I remember going, the only way that we can defeat him is if we do an all-girls alliance. And I tried so fucking hard to get Cocktail and Cashmere on board, and I just couldn't do it. Well, to be honest with you, when that whole situation happened with um, when because I had explained in the Isle of Money three reveal how I went home and Cashmere and Cocktail had set me up Um, and see, that was kind of, you know, my bad on my part. I'm just see my thing about Isle of Money is I'm not very good with mind games. I'm not really good with that. I'm more of the like friendly person. So I definitely screwed myself over on that one with not being a little bit more like thinking before doing when it came to things like this. When Kashmir had said to me, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Never in the back of my mind would I ever think cocktails right around the corner listening Listening in, it was a setup. 
again, I mean, and also because we just got done saying maybe not even a full hour beforehand that we were doing the Girls Alliance. Right. So I thought that we were doing a Girls Alliance because everybody was saying we were doing a Girls Alliance. So what did Kashmir ask you that Cocktail heard? Kashmir asked me, and it was literally a legitimate question that anybody would answer the exact same way. She asked me when it came down to individual challenges, would I send Cocktail home if I needed to? And I said, point blank. I said, well, yeah, when it comes down to individual challenges, unfortunately, I'll send home whoever I need to, because it's every man for themselves at that time. As long as it's not you, the one going home. Yeah, I mean, at that point in time, like it's an official game. It's literally every man for himself. And I didn't say it to her that way. I just more so said it in a way of like, well, yeah, I mean, if I have to send her home when it's individuals, I mean, yeah. I kind of said it in like an unsure way, just kind of like, well, yeah, if I I have to. Why do you think they targeted you I have no idea, but literally right after that happened, Cocktail walked around the corner. She's like, I knew you were going to send me home. I knew you'd try and send me home. You're out of here. And I'm like, what? I'm like, are you freaking kidding me right now? I remember that. I remember that. I'm like, like, are you kidding me? And we had just gotten done saying we were going to do a girls alliance. So it made absolutely no sense to me at all why that was happening. I was too trusting. I was too trusting. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. And I will say that was kind of my my thing with you as well on that show, because I saw like you were super sweet and you were getting along with everybody. And I'm like, girl, you're living in a house full of backstabbers like you got to get your army like to back you up, you know, because otherwise you leave yourself out well, in the I cold. Well, I did have an army at that point in time. And then I tried to switch over to an all girl alliance and I screwed myself. <laughs> well, the problem was that we couldn't get Cocktail and Cashmere on board. We, we just well, couldn't do it. And so like if we had, they wouldn't have targeted you because you are one of the girls. But yeah. um, what are some of the moments that really stand out in your mind that you want people to know happened that would have been great TV? So- This is why we're besties, because you literally just took out of my brain what I was just about to do. I have some little notes here of some fun little fun facts of info. Okay, lay it on us. Um, Yeah. So I have to show you this. Hold on. Have to show you this. Okay. Hold on one second. All right. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, nice. Here's your check. Let me put this down real quick. That's awesome. I know. How did you and Joe end up with your voided check? I wish I had grabbed mine. I didn't even think of it. I thought everybody did. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I ended up with mine. Um, okay. So let's see. So fun facts. I was attacked by a bat on I Love Money 3. Those bats were huge. Those things were massive. And they were diving for the bugs. Was it just me that was attacked by the damn bats? That is so funny. What happened? Okay. So I walked out of the room and literally the producers, I know they remember this too. I walk out of the room and out of nowhere, this bat just came from the corner. I know, you know, cause I'm sure it happened to you too. It came out of the corner and just swooped at my head and I dumped to the ground and nobody else was around, but the producer said they heard over my microphone, me go, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, and then I stood back up again cause it went up to the corner. I thought I was fine. So I stood back up again and the damn bat came back at my head again. So I ducked again. I'm like, fuck. Oh my God. Oh my God. So I started crawling from the rooms and imagine this in your head. Cause you know what it looks like crawling from the rooms up the stairs. And one of the producers comes walking up the stairs next to me and was like, what you doing down there? And I'm just, 
How are you not seeing that this is happening? Yeah, so that's a fun little fact. That was cr- we actually had moments where we were out in the courtyard area for the elimination and it was filmed at nighttime because we were outside. They had gigantic lights and I remember the lights were attracting all of these insects. So I do remember there was one elimination. There was one elimination I clearly remember where they were really going crazy. There must have been a lot of bugs out because a lot of us were having to do these like, you know, duck and and, dive and duck things. But I mean, these things had like, I remember seeing them sleeping from the banters and they looked like they were about two feet tall or so. But the wingspans, what, like four feet or so? Yeah. They were like pterodactyls. (laughs) It was terrifying. And then, like Joe said in his one with you, the cicadas, when they would die, you'd just walk around and be like, crunch, 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 crunch. It was like, oh, my God, the buggies, the buggies. Yeah, crazy. Okay, so there's that. And then, uh, let's see. (laughs) So this one's really funny. Back to Ray J. Cocktail and I, we roomed together. And we used to play a little random game called Skittle Boo Basketball. Skittle boob yeah. basketball, okay. Skittle boob basketball. So she was on bunks. So here's our room. She was on bunks on this side, and I was in a single bed on the other side of the room. It's pretty self-explanatory. Throw the throw the Skittles into the boobies. That we were bored. Like I said, we had no books, we had no music, we had nothing. We had candy. So we had candy and alcohol. It was a game of basketball using your boobs the as boobies. the. <laughs> Yeah, you know. That's amazing. <laughs> that is so funny. Great little fun fact. Just see random things that you like. And nice. they I don't know why they never like would show any of the silly stuff that they did. Like I'm sure they have that on. I had a bunch when Heather and I were friends, there was a ton of me and Heather like we had so many inside jokes and just being yeah, silly. They don't show that. They don't stuff. like to show that. Yeah. That like stuff the drama. is so funny. Okay. You have to remember this one. Halfway through filming I Love Money 3, the remaining cast members that were in the house had a giant drunken dance battle in our kitchen. Yes, that was so much fun. So we were playing like the drums on the catering dishes. And so I and everybody was just like dancing and being silly. And I was jumping up and down and I was wearing this strapless sundress, which is really strange because I don't usually wear strapless dresses. But in that moment, I I was time imagining that I'm like Lacey in a sundress yeah it was like a stretchy like I don't know maybe I was swimming earlier I don't know but anyway I was jumping up and down to like to the beat of like we were all banging on the drums or making drums out of these dishes and I was jumping up and down and next thing you know both both boobs just flop out like full I was like oh there's the girls Hello. it was so funny yeah but that was really fun though I, I totally remember that but that moment led in to this next moment that I have to talk about. So as I mentioned, I roomed with Big Rig and Weasel. Big Rig was actually already gone at this point in time. Um, I was pissed at Weasel because he didn't throw the swimming challenge like he was supposed to. You got pissed off at him and you go, fuck this, you're rooming with us girls. And you single-handedly went into my room, grabbed my mattress, and moved it out of my room and into the girls' room by yourself. I remember that. That led <laughs> to us doing some random, random chant that was like Weasels going home, something like Weezy we Weasels like going song. home. I remember he, yeah, and we chanted it for a long time, which then ended I up turning that. into more banging on the drums and the pots <laughs> in the kitchen, which then turned into some random and long I Love Money 3 song that we all made up. I know it was me, Cocktail, you, 
And I think there's a couple others in there. But I remember the producers telling me that that was going to be the most iconic scene for the trailer of I Love Money 3 was us song. I love it. I remember that. Since we were living together, talk about, because I've talked about it from my perspective a bunch. Talk about your perspective of finding out everything that went down after I Love Money involving Ryan Jenkins. Okay, well, I'm not going to talk too, too much about him. Just like, you know, out of like respect for his family and stuff. Obviously, everybody knows what happened. Um, honestly, I was just really heartbroken. I was just really heartbroken because um, in the house, Ryan was a really nice guy. He was a really nice guy. The way he spoke of Jasmine, he spoke of her so highly. And I just, in my heart, I hurt for him. I just really hurt for him. I hurt for him. I hurt for his family. I hurt for her family as well, obviously. It, it just everybody involved. And the very last thing that was on my mind didn't even happen until several, several months after when I realized, like, I also hurt for all of us as well because yeah, yeah. we weren't allowed to. We weren't allowed to speak out about it. Um, we all suffered. We had to suppress that shit. It was bad. Suffered in silence. Um, we kind of all band together in a way. Like one thing I have to say about us. Um, one thing I have to say about us as a cast is we band together and kind of became a family that nobody would understand our bond outside of our cast because good we, we went through some shit together. We yeah. all went through some shit together and you know, it, it was really just heartbreaking. Everything that happened with us at Jibri, every little thing about it literally breaks my heart. So one thing that you did that I thought was really cool was you put together a, a bunch of videos on YouTube. One of it, one of which was the I Love Money 3 reveal, which you put that together yes. to talk about who were the cast members and who was on what team, that sort of thing. And you also have put together these videos that showcase different of yep. Love Stars uh, life after reality. And I love that you did that. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, of course. So um, we kind of kept it under wraps for a little bit that it was us doing it, but it was, yes, it's me. It was me and Joe who also did I Love Money with us. Um, so the funny thing about this project is we had done the I Love Money reveal just because um, we wanted to go ahead and get all this fun information out there. For so long, there was a lot of negative stuff that was overshadowing uh, the I Love Money 3 show. And we just kind of wanted to get some of the fun, uh, more light, lighthearted, fun information out there uh, to our fans because everybody's been wanting to know some information for so long. And I was like, all right, let's, they've been asking, let's do this. And so Joe and I, Tried to do it the best way that we could. Um, going back and watching the I Love Money 3 reveal video, that was like my first, I'm not like an editor, obviously, so I did the best that I could. Um, so it's not exactly perfect, you but good job. I tried, guys, I tried. You can you see my editing skills getting a little bit better as each video goes on. Before I let you go, um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about how, about how you've been? You, you're, as you said, you're a mom and you've got a, a beautiful family. You're doing so great. I'm super proud of you. So talk about that for a little bit. And then I want to share with everybody how they can find you on social media. So yes, I am a mama now. My husband and I, once we got married, and this is actually featured in my mini episode on the Life After Reality TV, I Love Money 3 miniseries I did. So my husband and I, we so badly wanted to have a family when we got married, but I have had something called endometriosis since I was 16 years old, which it totally just screws up your girly organs, I tell you what. 
Um, so unfortunately, it's, it's just the better way to say it. Um, so long story short, because I know there may be some guys watching and I don't want to get too like girly on them. Uh, we're but, all adults here. It's okay. Oh, of course. So I um, ended up having to have IVF to be able to get pregnant. That was just the only way that I was able to do it. So my husband and I went through two rounds of IVF that unfortunately didn't work. And then the third round of IVF, um, it worked. And we found out that we were pregnant with twins, one boy and one girl, which was literally like a dream come true. It felt like winning the lottery to us. Unfortunately, um, and I'm going to try not to cry while we're talking about this. Unfortunately, um, shortly after that, I had found out that my cervix was literally shortening by the day. And they told me I had to have a procedure called a cerclage. Uh, it's basically where they sew your cervix shut, literally in hopes to keep the babies in. And I tell you what, you're awake when they do this. So it's not a fun procedure, but I was willing to do anything to save my baby's lives. Um, at 22 weeks of pregnancy, well, actually, 20 weeks of pregnancy, I was bleeding really bad, and they found out that the stitches just weren't working. And um, at 22 weeks, I, I, you know, try not to. I'm try to get through this. 22 weeks, um, my daughter, twin A, Mila, she was born. Um, they had given me like an option because her head was already kind of making its way through the stitches. And they were like, you know, do you want to have both babies born or do you want to go ahead and just cut the stitch and let her be born and see if your son is born as well. And I was like, well, let's cut the stitch. I'm not having them both come out right now. Um, so she came out early and they kept Jack's on board 11 days longer wow. inside of my belly. Wow. I didn't even know called- that they could do that. I didn't even know. It's, it's something called a, a delayed twin interval. Um, I guess it's, it's not a very common procedure. It's only been done like a handful of times in the United States. Um, so they essentially just left her umbilical cord inside of me uh, to act like a cushion. So uh, my daughter had some issues inside of her body um, and her little heart just wasn't strong enough. And she passed away four days after birth, but it was really hard because I literally, since I still had Jackson side, they had kept me on the labor and delivery floor. And I wasn't really allowed to go to the floor that was directly above mine, which is where she was because mm. they were scared something was going to happen. But thank God. So hard. Oh my God. It was like the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my entire life. Hardest thing I've ever gone through. So um, I thank God I, I remember I, I was I, talking to you here and there throughout all of that. I remember watching you go through that. My heart just broke for you. It was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. It really was. And Jax, he was born at 24 weeks. Um, he had a brain bleed. He had a, a lot of issues. And he spent 104 days in the hospital, uh, in the NICU unit. And then he was on oxygen until about six months old. But he is now happy, healthy. He's five-year-old little boy. Doing great. He's a fighter. He is, and he welcomed a little baby sister back in 2019. So I am a mommy to an angel in heaven and a little boy and another little girl. Oh. So, well, your family is jealous that I'm talking to you right now, by the way. He's like, oh. I want to talk to 
Auntie Lucy. Oh, they're so get McDonald's with Daddy. <laughs> oh, they're so sweet. I love watching you and them on Instagram. Your family is just so beautiful. And um, so, I'm, I'm so, so sorry that you had to go through that, but you are just such an amazing mom. And, it, and that's a testament to your strength as well. You know, a lot of people that would have really broken them, but you knew you had to stay strong for your son. In every way possible. Like the person that I used to be is definitely not the person that I am today. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you're doing amazing. I'm super proud Thank of you. you so and much. yeah, how can people find you on social media? They can just actually, um, definitely everybody check out the I Love Money 3 reveal and the mini episodes. That's on Reality Reveal I Love Money 3 on YouTube. And you can find me just by looking up my name, Chelsea Vote. I'm on Instagram. That's mainly where I'm posting of my family stuff and my stuff is on Instagram. I will put all of that information in the Perfect. description box below this video. But Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on. No, I know you're super you. busy. I'm so happy that I finally got a little bit of time to be able to do this. And now I got to go call my husband and say, okay, you guys can finally come home and bring me a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> well, good deal. Well, you look amazing. I, I miss you. you. I'm so glad. Too. I love you. I miss you so much too. We have to have a reunion very, very soon. We need and to. We need we'll to talk about that. I love it. Love <laughs> you too, girl. And I will talk to you again very soon. Okay. Bye everyone. Bye girl. That was so much fun. I love that girl so much. She is just such a doll. And I'm so happy that we were finally get able to get her on the podcast. I know she's been super busy with home life. And I'm glad we were able to hear her perspective about these shows. I, I really feel like we could have kept going for a couple more hours even. But anyway, um, I just want to say thank you so much to all of you for watching. I appreciate your support so, so much. And I couldn't do this podcast without your support. So thank you, all of you who watch, subscribe, and like this podcast. And I also want to give a shout out to the contributors. You guys are amazing. Zena, you know how much I love you. She's one of the biggest supporters. And uh, everybody who is who is a uh, contributor to this podcast, I thank you so, so much. If you haven't done so already, please definitely click on the subscribe button to this YouTube channel. And if you liked this episode, please give it a thumbs up. And if you're interested in becoming a contributor or if you're interested in rewards, reaction videos, t-shirts, I got all kinds of stuff for you. So just go to the website, talkoflove.net. From there, you can click the contribute button. You can clip sh click on shop. You can click on reaction videos and check out what I got to offer. So thank you again. I'll see you guys next Monday. Until then, be safe, take care of yourself, and take care of each other. And don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> Bye, guys.